Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. Do you remember your work-study job in college? Many students work in the dining hall or in the library, maybe in the computer lab, but those jobs often don't have much to do with what students are studying or interested in doing later in life. I enjoy working. <laughs> I enjoy getting paid, but at the same time, it's just like I am eager for more. <laughs> like I want to be working for my goals. A new program is trying to give students both an income and a leg up in their careers. How can this benefit both students and employers? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Karina Mendez has dreamed of becoming a nurse for a long time. You're like the first line of like care, especially when they're in the hospital, like admitted into a hospital. You're their advocate. You're basically, you know, their caregiver in a sense. And I'm pretty passionate about taking care of other people. She has some experience taking care of others. She's the mom of a nine-year-old and a one-year-old, and she's also a daughter and granddaughter. Karina's grandparents live in Mexico, but they often come to the U.S. to visit family. And when they're here, Karina and her cousins help take them to doctor's appointments. Since they have lacked that um, language barrier, we kind of are, you know, they're pointy, and we have to make sure they understand what's going on, and we understand so we could pass it on and stuff like that. So after Karina finished her associate's degree at City College of San Francisco, she decided she had to go back to school to become a nurse. I finished college and I was like, wow, um, if I could do that, I'm pretty sure I could finally go for my dreams, <laughs> you know, becoming an RN. Like many students, Karina needed a work-study job. But she wanted a job that did more than just pay the bills, something that would help her learn about the medical field. I want to be working. I want to be working for my goals. I don't want to just be studying. Not saying there's nothing wrong with either or, but, you know, I, I like to get the ball rolling faster if I could. Because <laughs> I didn't just want to get, like, you know, uh, a job at the bookstore. Not saying it's wrong or anything, but it's not going to be as beneficial as it would have been if I got an internship at UCSF. So she did a ton of research. And she found a work-study job as a patient navigator at UCSF. Karina works with mental health patients and with cancer patients to help connect them to resources they need. You know, as a cancer patient, you know, you need nutrition, you need, you know, another stuff like religion or just like finding the right resources for them in this troubling time. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, work-study jobs that help propel students' careers. Karina Mendez is one of the first beneficiaries of a new state-funded work-study program called the Learning Aligned Employment Program. My colleague Emma Gallegos wrote about this program for EdSource. Hi, Emma. Hi, Zadie. So Emma, tell us about this program. Um, what does it do? So if you've ever been to college and had a work-study job, maybe you've had something where you're working in the library. I worked in admissions. You're usually working on campus. And it's great. You make a little money, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the job that you ultimately see yourself doing in life unless you want to go into 
food service in the cafeteria <laughs> or something like that. So, I mean, so it's kind of cool because you can be trained in any field that a student's interested in. So it really runs the whole gamut. You're making money. You're also learning how to do something that you hope to see yourself doing in the future. Okay. And can you share a little bit about how much money the state invested here and what colleges and universities are participating? Yeah. So the state has invested $500 million and that's going to be over the course of nine years, but they actually gave all the money out already. And part of that is so that colleges and universities can start to prepare for what they actually want to do with this money, which is a lot of work, I guess. <laughs> um, it's a lot of money and they're trying to figure out how best to use it. It's distributed to colleges and universities based on how many Pell Grant recipients they have. And so in practice, what that means is there's a lot of money going to community colleges, more than half of it is. It's also going to Cal State and um, the UC system as well. And how many students could benefit from this program? You know, it, it depends a little bit on, you know, what kind of jobs they have and how much they get paid. But I did some back of the napkin math with what uh, Karina Mendez, the kind of job that she has. She's making $20 an hour. So if she was working for about a semester. So this program could pay for 100,000 Karinas just working for one semester. So that's that's quite a bit. Of course, you know, they take on an extra semester or, you know, they're getting paid more or working a different kind of job, it, it could be different. But that's my back of the napkin math. Emma, we heard from Karina Mendes, and she's in healthcare. She wants to, she wants to be a nurse. Besides healthcare, what other kinds of jobs, you know, are, are included in this grant? This is open to any field, but a priority is given to those who are working in STEM fields. So any kind of science, technology, engineering, math. Um, so you're going to see all sorts of positions open. I mean, there are students who are working with local nonprofits doing community work, but certainly there's a push for those who are studying in those STEM fields. So it could be, um, you know, someone studying tech and, you know, getting into that. And so, you know, there's, there are all these fields where they make quite a bit of money, but they're not representative of California's greater population. And so there's this push to bring those underrepresented groups into fields like tech healthcare, could be clean energy, really just anything that a student student is interested in from those fields. So Emma, what's the big deal about this? Why, why is this so important? So what you've been seeing, there's a move from the federal government and also from the state government to try to do a better job linking education and career. There's this feeling that, you know, we have all these positions that employers are looking for well-trained employees. And there are also kinds of students with a lot of potential who are not able to get into these positions for a variety of reasons. So, and, you know, part of it might be that maybe they feel like taking out loans, going into debt for college, or even just not being able to work. It's just not worth it. Even if some of these jobs might be high paying and ultimately they might do well in the field, it's, it's really tough to get there. I don't think there really is quite the pipeline between community colleges and employers that a lot of policymakers think there could be, um, especially when you compare us to other countries. And it's really interesting that I don't think I know any apprentices <laughs> or anyone who did that. Um, but if you go to someplace like Germany, that is pretty much the norm. Um, and, you know, when you look at it, you're like, that, that makes life a lot easier. I used to live in Mexico, and everybody there, as part of your graduation requirements, most students have to do a year of service. So it's basically like an internship. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
How do these differ from apprenticeships and internships in the past? So, you know, traditionally apprenticeships have been blue collar in the construction trades. Hey, you make a lot of money. So this is something um, that's great. But there's all sorts of other fields that could benefit from this kind of approach where, you know, with an, an apprenticeship, students come in and they're learning, but then they're also earning money. And at the end, they have a job where they're making good money. But traditionally, it, it, there have only been those kind of blue collar positions and than these white collar internships where traditionally you weren't getting paid. I, you know, I think there is a movement to pay more students, but even then you're not necessarily recruiting from students who maybe could benefit from it the most. So and the problem with a lot of these white collar positions is you have the students who are maybe the most well-connected and able to get into the, those positions. So so the idea of this is to kind of flip it around and not only pay students for their internships, which is great, but also to reach out to you know underrepresented groups who might not have the kind of social capital but need it to get ahead. And you know that's a good thing for our economy as well because you know we have you know people with a lot of potential who are going into these fields who maybe don't have the connections with their uncle or whatever. <laughs> so I think we understand now what students get out of it, and what about what benefit is there for the fields that are employing them? So the idea is that not only are they recruiting workers in, in areas of the labor market where there's these huge shortages, but they're also going to be able to have more diversity. And so, you know, I talked to Jeff Belcora from UCSF, and he said that, you know, you look at the medical field and it's not representative of who Californians are. And so community colleges are a great place to recruit. Jeff Belcourt said, you can teach anyone um, about healthcare, but having people who have the language skills, who have the same cultural backgrounds, that means that people are going to get better care because they know they know what their patients are going through. They have that bedside matter, those things that aren't as easy to teach. So there's there's a lot of benefits. Um, and when you think about technology, about you know who's using the tech and what kind of assumptions that they have coming into it, there's, there's all sorts of reasons to have a diverse um, pool of employees who are not all just from certain backgrounds, thinking a certain way with, you know, all sorts of blind spots coming in. The lack of diversity and representation in the nursing profession is all too clear to Karina Mendez. I don't see a lot of Latina nurses, especially when I get admitted into the hospital. Um, Especially when I gave birth, (laughs) I didn't have any Latinas around me, Um, which kind of like, you know, it is what it is. It was a wonderful unit, wonderful um, team when I was both of my pregnancies and stuff like that. But I feel like it lacked diversity and I just feel like I want to be that diversity that helps, you know, expand the community of being a nurse. Her work-study job at UCSF gives her flexibility and it's helping her learn skills that will be crucial in her career as a nurse. It's just, you know, me learning the system, the medical system, and then just, you know, learning how to communicate with these patients Either if they're cancer patients or, you know, they're, they're patients that, uh, you know, are seeking mental health, like therapy or psychiatry and stuff like that. So being able to evaluate them and um, have that conversation with them, um, learn what to say and what not to say has been really like a good skill that I'm gaining, you know, because you don't want to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Karina is grateful. I was very relieved in a sense, just because when I'm able, like I said, uh, getting a job in the field that I 
want to step my foot in, you know. Once you get your foot in the door, kind of say um, you're already in there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Emma's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Karina Mendez and Emma Gallegos. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Kresge Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.